On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. All right, so this is a second shot sit down that actually came from another story I did. When, when we talk about second shots, it's kind of one of those concepts where truly every one of us has a second shot. I could interview anybody listening to this show or watching this show and, and your life has a second shot or, or a story behind it that is interesting to others. And that's sort of the heart of the show. Yes, sometimes we're talking to celebrities and big names and business people. And sometimes we're talking to people who aren't as known, but have a story because we all have a story. And so I was doing a story for CW with Zach Mears, who is a magician <laughs> and he was on Penn and Teller. So he did this story, this beautiful story about his magic and he just had a delightful energy. And we got to talking a little bit more about his personal story. And it, it's one that's quite astounding and moving. And one that I think just, uh, just the idea here is to make you think, have a little bit more depth in your day and bring some positivity to media. That is what we're doing. So it is my absolute delight to introduce Zach. Good to see you. Nice to meet you, Miss Jenny. It's good seeing you again. Well, so, okay. When we met that day, first of all, we got to talk about how Penn and Teller went because we, <laughs> I, I chatted with him. Um, we were in Dallas at Clydeworm yeah. Park. He tricked me with a bunch of tricks. I still haven't figured out how he did them. And then you were on Penn and Teller yeah. for your magic. How did it go? It was, uh, it was fantastic. So the concept of the show is uh, Penn and Teller regarded as some of the greatest minds uh, in magic ever. Uh, so the concept is magicians go on stage and they show them a trick and they try to figure out if they did it or not. And if they don't, you get a trophy and you get to close their show in Vegas. So I was honored that they did not figure out my trick and I've got the trophy back at home. And at some point I'm gonna go out to Vegas. <laughs> you close. are? Yeah, yeah, Oh my really gosh, fun. that yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Okay, so do they give you, how does that work? Like what's kind of the behind the scenes situation with how that show goes? Yeah, so so the concept of the show is fool us. You're trying to fool them, but the, but the spirit of the show is just showcasing some of the best magicians and magic tricks in the whole entire world. So that's kind of the spirit of the show, right? Um, and the idea is you tell the producers how the trick is done. Uh, so they're in an earpiece with the producers uh -huh. and then they're talking to the, as I'm talking to Allison Hannigan, she's the host of the show, they're trying to figure out how the trick was done after they see it. So they're talking for you know a few minutes and then they're like, hey, this is how we think we did it. But in the earpiece, they're confirmed if they know how it's done or not. And then uh, and then Penn starts talking in code. Uh, so people, normal people can't really understand how the uh, methods are, are done. And then you say yes or no, and you get a trophy or not. And it's, it's just a fun little show where the viewers get to kind of figure out how the trick is done along with uh, Penn and Teller. Now, and you don't know when you're going to get to go to Vegas? Like, not how, yet. What's it's the to communication? be determined. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all should come wow. out. So. We totally should. You know, that should be a story that we cover, right? You guys, I yeah. think I need to be on that. I need to get the Research exclusive. and development, right? Yes. So you'll go there. How does that feel to be um, 
you know, elevated to that position. I know you've had a lot of accolades before. Yeah. Is this, is this a bigger one in the grand scheme? I, I must say it was quite intimidating uh, because when you go to Vegas, uh, the, the show is sh shot in their Vegas show. So it's a Rio, it's it's called the Rio, the, the casino or the resort. Um, and they've got this massive picture of themselves outside of the hotel. And then you're just kind of hanging out for a day or two before you go on stage. And everywhere you look, you see a picture of them, right? So in my hotel room, it's a picture of Penn and Teller. Ah. In the elevator, you see, so for two days, I'm just looking at Penn and Teller, just kind of waiting. So it's quite intimidating, uh, just kind of leading up to it, because you're kind of waiting backstage, just kind of ready to get your shot. Um, but you know, I was just so grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. The producers are a, a dream to work with. You get to work with them leading up to it to make really good television as well. So it was just an honor that I get to share my magic with the world. And I got to share my story with the world as well during my intro package. So I was just so grateful for the um, opportunity that they gave me as well. Well, so something that I noticed about you from the get-go, you guys, and you, you can see it and, and hear it, Zach's really charismatic, put together, you know, um, somebody who speaks clearly with his intentions and sometimes when we are that way um we're kind of i don't want to say you're putting on a front or being fake but we're we're putting up a a facade of sorts we're sure. we're, we're um protecting ourselves would probably be the better way of saying it and yeah i found it interesting then to learn more of your story and what you'd been through and that you've had to kind of create this alternate side of you because mm. of some of the trauma you you've been through um yeah talk talk about your uh your upbringing both of your parents immigrants from iran and afghanistan yes ma'am and how did they meet yeah so my you know zach mirrors is a stage name um it's a character i play on stage um but zikri zikriya sayed mirzadeh is my real name uh, my dad's from iran my mom's from afghanistan and they came here to america to really live the american dream mm -hmm. and when i was one years old uh one year old that yeah that's, that's right you got it and, and listen nobody's judging grammar here normally Heat's here to make sure nobody cares about grammar. So you're you're good. However, yeah, a year old, oh, you were a little man. one. Um, you know, my dad had an Italian restaurant just outside mm -hmm. of Fort Worth, and one night, interesting Italian. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I wonder where that where that came from. Yeah, that's a really good question. I I sometimes wonder as well. Well, his first job when he came to America was at an Italian restaurant, being a bartender. Mm -hmm. So he knew very little English, and he would do anything to get anybody's attention. So. Uh, Sim, he wanted to maximize his tips at the end of the night. So kind of like in that whole field, he was like, I think I could start an Italian restaurant, you know, pasta is cheap and mm -hmm. maybe we could do something with it. Mm -hmm. So he started three um, around the DFW area. And one night he was locking up the doors and he was walking to his car to come see us, his family. Um, as he was walking to his car, he got met by three masked men and they stopped him. Uh, they shot him six times and they killed my father. And I was one when that happened, my brother was two. And I didn't really realize what had happened till I grew a little older. Yeah. Um, and when I kind of realized what had happened to my dad, I wanted to keep it a secret because I was so embarrassed about what had happened about my father. So really magic was the perfect art form for me to run to because it was an art form all about secrets. Mm. Um, as I developed more and more magic tricks, people started calling me the magic man. And it's something I really fell in love with. And uh, I changed my name to Zach Mirrors because it was kind of like this stage name that I wanted to create, but also wanted to have a distinct difference between 
me as a person and me as the stage person people see, you know, on television and Penn and Teller and things like that. It was a coping skill that was <clears throat> that really worked for you. Yeah. And yeah. has worked for you. How yeah. did you figure out that that's what you were doing? Or did you, you, you must not have known when you started getting into magic yeah. that that was sort of the differentiating factor. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always asked myself, what, what would I rather do outside of magic? And I never came up with a good answer um, as well. So I always just fell in love with not just me, you know, kind of showing people magic tricks. It was more of, wow, this makes people really happy. Um, I, I'm, it creates an energy and people kind of get lost in this moment of astonishment and mystery and awe and wonder. And it's something that I just wanted to give to people. It's not something that I wanted to show off. It's something I wanted to give to people so they could remember for the rest of their life on their car ride home after they see the show. I want them to talk about how it moved them, how it changed them. You know, me and my wife just saw uh, Hamilton the other day. And oh, here locally? Yeah, here was locally. It, it was amazing. Oh. But on that car ride home, we were just talking about how it moved us and how it was just lost in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a really good magic show does that as well mm -hmm. uh, when it's done correctly. So that's something I just wanted to do um, for the rest of my life. So it wasn't really I think a lot of people see magicians as a challenge of this is how it's done or this is maybe how it's, you know, the trick is done. It's more of, I want to give you an experience because although magic isn't real, the experience of magic can be very real for people's lives. It was real for me when you yeah. did magic with us on, you know, when we did it for the story, yeah, I let myself fun. feel like it was real and it, and it was really, it was really special. <laughs> I want to go back to your childhood. You said something that really struck me about, um, about what happened to your father mm -hmm. and that was that that you were embarrassed about it. Yeah. Where do you think that shame came from? You know, I always just wanted to be you know, I, I always wanted to be like a normal kid, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we all Yeah. <laughs> and none of and none so, of us are, but we compare and feel not. And you, you were a child of immigrants and had that Yeah, exactly. So English is my second language. So I'm not the most eloquent person, you know, to talk to or interview, but No, you uh, are. You are. That's what I was saying. You are you are. Um what was your sweet. what was your first language? Uh so my mom spoke Pashto. Mm -hmm. So we grew up speaking Pashto. My dad uh not my a lot dad's, of kids speaking that around here, huh? And <laughs> No, not at all. And then Farsi is my dad's language. So we, because we grew up more on my mom's side of the family, we spoke more Pashto, but we understand Farsi as well. Yes, okay. ma'am. But the, but the shame came from, I, it's, I just wanted to be a normal kid, right? I had a speech impediment. You know, I, um, I just wanted to kind of have a normalized life like the kids around me. And probably the kids around me had their own struggles, but nobody really talked about it, right? Yeah. So it was just more of a coping mechanism than anything else. And it became a love and then it became a passion and then it became my job, which is amazing. So to try to to try to just have that normal life. Explain what that went when, when did you realize? Um and I and I by the way, when I said, you know, don't we all wish that not yeah. to diminish what you had been through at all, you know, or having a different yeah. language and things like that. Most mm -hmm. certainly that, you know, that, that really can be a struggle. And I think it's just, it's just a relatable struggle, especially mm -hmm. with language and, and people being new to the country. Mm -hmm. But um, when did you find out that, gosh, you know, my, my dad's not here and something really, really tragic happened to him? Um, you know, I can't really 
you know, one night me and my brother lived at our grandma's house and one night my mom came upstairs and me and my brother kind of look at each other. We're like, why is mom coming upstairs? She yeah. never comes upstairs. Are we in trouble again? So she comes upstairs into the room and she's fighting back tears. And I could remember the first time she said that you don't have a father. Uh, and we're like, what are you talking about? And she's like, you don't have a father. And she kind of told us the story that it happened. And I, I believe I was about seven or eight. My brother was eight and nine. And we kind of looked at each other, kind of looking for answers. And it was kind of weird because when you don't grow up with a dad, you never realize what it meant to have one in the first place. And my mom, it was really important to her that she kind of raised us the way she wanted to raise us. She never wanted to have um, us to have like a stepfather or anything. So she never got remarried. Uh, as well. So she's been a mother and a father for my brother and I. Uh, my brother is less than a year older than me. He's the one that taught me how to ride a bike for the first time. And he's yeah. the one that taught me how to shave. So my brother was yeah. very much kind of like the the guy that kind of took on that character uh, for me to kind of teach me. You know, I would wake him up every morning. I was like, hey, can you teach me how to ride a bike? And we'd go to my neighbor's house. They had like a little hill and he, and he would just kind of like hold me as I was Aww. going down. So um, it was just the three of us. And um, and I, I think it was that, that moment where we're like, oh, we don't have a father. But we had an amazing family too. My uncles were always there for us and they would come over every single day and they would nurture us and they would be that father figure that, that they knew we needed as well. So, That's yeah. incredible that you had that sur the surrounding, but um, yeah. what, do you, what did you think, you know, leading up to those years, was was there a different story that was told, like dad's gone, or did, was it just something that you never thought of because you never? Yeah, it was more like dad's like... gone. Yeah, he was like, he's got a job in Iran, he's coming back. Oh yeah. Gosh, Zach. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah, so That's... they kept it a secret from so me for years. You, so you thought yeah. at some, so as a child, you figured at some point dad's coming back yeah exactly and i think that's that was a reason why i fell in love with magic so much because my family kept it a secret for me for years and then i wanted to keep it a secret and mm. it, you know so it was like there was a message that that maybe a message uh that it was shameful to not yeah have him so that's okay i'm trying to figure out where the you know where the the shame comes from or the wanting to hide it yeah i don't i don't know i just it was just embarrassing it was embarrassing and I was, I just, I just didn't want to share it with anyone mm -hmm. for, for the longest time. And as a kid, like you don't, you know, it's not something you want to talk about as well. Right. Yeah. But I think people sensed it. And you know, my mom, at a certain point, I believe she got us a therapist just to like talk to someone as well and kind of sure. talk through the steps and things like that. So, um, I can't really pinpoint why it was so embarrassing. Like my brother, he coped with it as well. He's a lawyer today. Uh -huh. Can you imagine a lawyer and a magician <laughs> as your sons? Yeah, oh, uh, interesting. So he so wanted to fight, he wanted to fight crime and law and he wanted to have justice. And that's mm -hmm. how my brother coped with it, you know? Interesting. And for me, it was secrets. Interesting. And, and I remember you saying that, um, I, I did get to read through your father's case. Um, oh, you did? Yeah, you said that you'd never personally read it just because it was so much to process. Yeah. Which is which is understandable. Um, when you think about that, I know you're about to become a dad. Yeah, oh gosh, it's gonna make me cry. <laughs> I know, well, and, and, and what life is going to be like, what kind of dad you're going to be. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I could, I can't, I cannot process his, you know, it's funny. Um, I, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, think of uh, cement, you know, uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things where, um, you know, I get to be the father that I've always wanted. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, it, you're, you're just, you're excited about it. You know, it's just one of those things where, where I get to be the father to, um, you know, our kid that, yeah. that I've always wanted. And it's very exciting. It's very, very exciting. And it breaks my heart, you know, um, it's okay to be emotional, yeah. by the way, this uh, is an emotional interview. It's well, well, okay. it, it just breaks my heart that, you know, um, that my father didn't get to, uh, you know, experience what it was like being a father. Experience you, know? you and your yeah, father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And that was taken from him. Yeah, anyways, yeah. You don't have to buy the, you don't have to. Anyways, this is a beautiful studio, by the way. <laughs> you don't have to move on from it, you don't have to hide from it. I was like, how's uh, Zach gonna deal yeah. with this? Because he's used to kind of doing a magic. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, this is about feelings. And I and I think that so many of us have those sort of coping mechanisms that keep yeah. us away, right? From, yeah. from our feelings. And um, I'm excited for you to be able to become a dad and to oh, be able thank to you. have that experience and, and, and newness and, you know, be the person to, you know, teach your child how to ride a bike and to, yeah. you know, do all of those different things. Um, when it comes to the, I would love to talk about, you know, we're sort of talking about second shots, but also different cultures. And, mm. and um, how was it melding uh, your culture with your wife's and, you know, you mentioned all your uncles and your family yeah. and, and things like that. How has that been? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been great. You know, you know, I, I think as a first generation American, like so much has changed. Like I, you know, when you, when you grow up in Afghanistan and you grow up in Iran, like, you know, th there's certain cultural things your parents want you to do. And, you this know, is why I asked that. Yeah. yeah, like marry within the culture and things like that. But my mom has totally kind of adapted to this culture and they absolutely love, you know, my wife. She's from Minnesota, a small town, farm town, you know, believe it or not. So, so them meeting my wife, uh, as well, they were just trying to like understand. It's like, hey, you know, why don't you want to marry the culture and you know things like that? But over time, they're like, okay, we know why you love this girl so much. She's amazing. She's going to be a great mom to your kids one day. And uh, and um, and I, I'm so grateful that she gets to put up with all my tour schedules and she still loves me. And uh, and and uh, I couldn't imagine a better wife and mother to our future kids. Uh, but. To answer your question, my family absolutely loves my wife um, as well, and she fits right into the family. She's just a little bit wider than everybody She's else. She's just yeah. a little bit, a little more Minnesota, <laughs> yeah. a little more country, farm town, yeah. small town. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to hear your advice for people who are, um, you know, it almost it feels so strange to be in 2022 mm -hmm. and still be talking about different cultures, getting married, and advice for that because it seems like, well, this should be a thing that we do. But the truth is, a lot of people deal with expectations from their, you know, their origin family about who to marry and and, yep. and when and, and how and <laughs> yeah. how lives will be lived. What advice do you have for people um, that are that are in a, you know struggling with a situation like that where there are some strong um, cultural beliefs? Yeah, I I mean I would just say always follow your gut. 
um, as well. You know, if you do things to make other people happy, if you do things to make your parents happy, I don't ever believe you're truly going to be happy. You're just kind of like living to the standards that you want to be seen as um, as well. Like I always say, always follow your gut and always do what you feel is right because your gut, if you listen to your gut, how, how do I say this? I, I believe you need to be happy first. Um, and you feel, if you feel like you find, found the right spouse, if you feel like you found the right passion and career, um, I believe everything else is gonna fall in place throughout time as well. But if you do things because of approval of other people or expectations or culture as well, I don't, I don't truly believe you're ever gonna be happy. And there's always gonna be something in the back of your head saying, if I would have done this, I wonder how X would have turned out or Y or Z. Um, so I don't know if that's great advice, but I've always just really listened to um, you know, my gut. And I, I always had this philosophy as well as like the moment you're not pursuing other people's approval or you're not pursuing money, is the moment you could put real meaning into what you do in everything you do. Um, so, so good. Yeah, that's so good, Zach. I think that's such a such a beautiful thing. And I'm I'm going back and remembering something that I had wanted to chat with you about, and that is um, the the reasoning for both of your you know your, your dad died so tragically. Yeah. Um, why did he come to America to begin with? What um, was he looking for? Well. They, you know, it was the Iranian revolution at the time. So he was getting drafted, you know, to the military and he, he was trying to get out. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to, you know, he, he didn't want to fight that war and neither did my uncle. So they fled here to live the American dream. And, you know, you always hear that story. It's like, I had $6 in my pocket and. Right. Know, and I, that's America. what I was wondering. Was that a, their yeah. experience or was it something? It different? was very much so. Yeah. Okay. And they're all so successful today mm. like you know from being immigrants learning english learning the culture learning how to deal with people like one of my one of my dad's brothers he's a successful you know commercial real estate um and they're just all entrepreneurial so a lot like yourselves yeah. you know as well so I'm, I'm just they always tell me like if we can do it and we started with nothing there's nothing you can't do um as well well and, and the interesting that they're doing it without generational wealth the, right, yeah. because you know, and I, that was a concept I really didn't understand. As I did, like, legitimately didn't understand it. I think almost until recently, I was like, "Wait a minute, you mean that her parents had this, or you know?" But but they've yeah. done it with without that, without any kind of leg up. What do you think it is about your family that's allowed you to become so successful and so firmly rooted in the community here? I think they realize like what they had in Iran. And they're looking around. I think like sometimes, like I have a lot of friends that go on mission trips and like, I think when you get exposed to like under-resourced areas and uh, like just people that are hungry, people that are just like looking to have clean water. Um, and also just like things like humanitarian efforts where you're like, wow, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, I, I created a deck of cards to help raise awareness and fight human trafficking. We partnered with an amazing organization and I just got exposed to like what this world is like. And I think when you get exposed to like under-resourced areas or people that can't eat or drink or, you know, I think you realize like how grateful you are in a land of opportunity 
and you wake up every morning saying, wow, I've got all the resources in the world. I've got the internet. I got, you know, uh, at the time my uncles were like, I've got a phone book. I will call every single number until uh-huh. we get a job because they didn't have that. And the fact that they got exposed to that for the very first time, um, I think they were like, wow, we've got an opportunity to, to even live here and be here. We got to make something out of it. And I think so oftentimes when you grow up and you kind of like it's normal, uh, I don't think you realize like how grateful it can be to to live somewhere like here because this was just your whole world and your whole you know reality your whole entire life. So I think for them, coming from Iran to America, they're like, wow, this like we just won the lottery, and and we have not much money in our pocket, but we feel like we won the lottery. Uh, that seems to have rubbed off on you a little bit. I, Do you think it has? Do you think that's accurate? Do you think that you you were raised more like a standard traditional American? Yeah, you know. Uh, you know, I don't, I just always, I just really love what I do. Um, and I'm so grateful that I get to do it and I get to share it with people. And, um, and it, it goes back to my own philosophy. Like I, I never wanted to do it for money. I never wanted to do it for validation. I wanted to do it because I wanted to put real meaning into the world. And that's the thing that really gets me up in the morning is like, how can we put real meaning from what I do into the world um and i'm just so grateful it resonates with so many people and uh yeah i i just wake up saying i i can't believe i get to do this and i'm so grateful for it so it's and it's so fun i love it so you're incredible zach you are i knew this would be an interesting interview i knew the time would fly by i still have so many more questions for you but um for people who want to know more about his magic you guys i'm telling you he's incredible incredible <laughs> i know that you've got a texas tour going yes let people know where they can find you and where they can um you know maybe book you yeah absolutely if you just go to mirrorstour.com m-i-r-z tour.com you'll see my tour dates over there you could contact me over there and uh it'll be a pretty simple process so or if you don't want to do either of them just uh say hi just so. say yeah. hello well much love and blessings to you and Thank your you. family you're soon to be growing family i am just thrilled for you to explore Experience what it's like to be a parent, and um, I just—it's so going to be such a beautiful experience for you. So thank you so much, Zach. Yes, thank and, you so much for having me, Miss Jenny. It's always great seeing you. Oh well, that was fun. So here's the deal, you guys. If you um, enjoyed the Second Shot podcast, let us know. You can find us at cw33.com, and then just click Second Shot. You can also find us at secondshotpodcast.com. The full episodes are always out on every single podcast platform. And then on Thursdays, they are on TV on CW33. And we'll talk to you soon.